This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Jenny and I would like to thank Pros for their continued support. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Go to pros.com slash made for this to take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Well, this is going to be such a fun podcast because joining me today is someone who has studied and thought a lot about the years that many of us haven't thought about of Jesus's life. And it's the years that nobody sees. It's the years that he was a carpenter and a part of a family and a community. And so I'm excited about our guest today. She wrote a book, interestingly enough, called Anonymous. <laughs> she does have a name and I will get to share it. And it's about Jesus's hidden years and yours, because I can absolutely testify to this. This is my story for sure. And I, it makes me scared and nervous for my sweet girls that are given platforms at such a young age. And again, a lot of them I'm in close relationship with and they're doing the best they can with it, but this is certainly an issue. So today, Dr. Alicia Britt Sholey is joining us. And so let's start, Dr. Sholey, just a little bit about you and, and your life. Actually, how did you think to write about this? Well, number one, thank you so much for the opportunity to join you and especially to talk about Anonymous. This is one of my heart books, and it has really shaped me and um, guided me in, in many, many decades. So thank you so much. A little bit about me, my husband and I, um, his name is Dr. Barry J. Sholey. He is the wisest um, mentor that I have in my life. He is the most gentle, strong man that I know. We've been married for many, many decades, 32 years, and we have three children through the miracle of adoption. Our eldest, Jonathan, is 25. Our middle, Kiona, is 19, and our youngest, Louie, is 16. We live out in the country where you can see the stars at night and hear the cows during the day. So that's a little bit about our lives. We live here, um, work here from home, and write and mentor the leaders and the learning generation. Let's talk about when you first saw a need for this book. Where did that come from for you? And it's been around for a while, just so everybody knows. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Um, I wrote it in 2006, but I began studying it eight years earlier. And so I never thought about it being a book. I had been invited to speak somewhere. And whenever I'm invited to speak and they have a theme, I ask the Lord, what would you like me to say? What would you like me to study? And he led me to look at one more time, the temptation of Jesus. And I had studied it several times before. Every time I had studied Jesus's wilderness temptation, I'd always seen it as a window that opened into a real time crisis he was facing, real time temptation. It was a window to his present. I also saw it as a window into his future, that it foreshadowed some of the challenges he would face as he walked crossword. But this time, for the very first time, I started realizing that it was also a window that opened into his past because Jesus starts his public ministry and immediately he makes these earth-shaking choices that we admire, that we want to emulate, these choices that, um, that inspire us. But Jesus wasn't dropped on the planet at the age of 30 in the waters of baptism in the Judean wilderness, he came as a baby. So we have these 
30 years that are mostly undocumented, definitely uncelebrated, mostly unknown. And the strength that we see in Jesus's visible years is the fruit of what was growing in Jesus during those hidden years. I was captivated. I had never viewed the wilderness like that. And so all of a sudden, this study took on its own life way past uh, the speaking engagement. And I started considering the strengths that Jesus showed immediately and realizing that those strengths had been growing quietly in hidden places. And in the same way that the father grew the son in anonymity and hiddenness, he often grows us in the same way. We want those strengths to just drop on us in the moment of need, but true enduring strength grows in quiet, unseen, unapplauded places. Yeah. I I remember for so long, you know, everybody will come up to me and say, I want to do what you do. And I'm, I'm always curious, you know, what, what do you think I do? (laughs) And, and so they'll tell me and, and I said, I just want, I usually will say, I just want you to know, I do what I've always done before you ever read a book of mine or, or knew my name. I teach people about God and you can do that from anywhere. You can do that from your living room. You can do that from a local church. You can do that from anywhere. And then so happens that more people now are part of that, but I will go back one day to that living room and that will be all that cares to hear from me, but I will always have that. And I think you're right. I I think we're in a world, I mean, to some degree, your book has never been more relevant than now because 20 years later, we have the ability for everyone to have a platform, everyone to have a voice, and we kind of run for it. And we think that is obedience, is using our voice for God, but there's also obedience in being invisible. And I do not know who I would be without the 35 years for me of complete obscurity, didn't have really a blog, didn't have anything, no followers, but I had to been teaching a Bible study in my home and I had been raising my kids and God had been taking away idols of people pleasing and causing me to surrender in a deeper way. So I hear you. I get it. I agree. Let's talk about that for Jesus because it's true. It's not something we think a lot about. He is, was God. So we don't think God would need any of that, but talk a little bit about even just what you learned as you studied. Yes. Well, one of the first take-homes was that being visible isn't the source of being valuable. When we look at how the father choreographed the life of the son, it becomes incredibly clear that there are times when God hides us to protect us, that he hides us to grow us. But we have this tendency to think of hiddenness or to think of the wilderness or to think of those seasons of um, anonymity as some form of either stepping stone till we get to be more visible or some kind of punishment for something we've done wrong. Mm. But God hides us. He leads us into these spaces at times so that future visibility doesn't crush us. I started thinking about Jesus's hidden years in my own, sort of like the foundation of a house. My husband and I, when we first bought this house, it was a a tiny little one story, and it really wasn't much to look at it at all. But my husband, he looked at it and he said, but look, babe, underneath, it's got a great foundation to build on. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I hadn't even thought to look there. So it wasn't that long after that we took off the roof and we started building up. And I was so Um, I just didn't understand why my husband was spending so much time underneath the house in our five foot crawl space, that foundation. 
And so I waited as long as I possibly could. And about 48 hours later, I said, babe, we're supposed to be building up and you're spending all of your time down and I'm confused. And he said, well, come, let me show you. He said, you see all of these things, all of these beams, all of these pipes, all of this concrete, this is the foundation of our home. And whenever you build up, whenever you add a layer, it exponentially adds weight to the hidden foundation. Mm, yeah. And so I'm down here looking to see if there's any cracks in that foundation, if there's anything that needed to be attended to and building it up so that what is visible doesn't crush us. And I thought, there it is. You know, those hidden seasons in our life where we feel overlooked or underestimated, where it feels like somebody placed our potential on pause, where we feel unseen, those hidden spaces they are the place where we grow the unglamorous guts of a truly fruitful existence. We keep wanting to build up, but yeah. everything we build up will exponentially add weight and reveal the cracks in what is below and what is hidden. So Jesus's 30 years just inspired me to make peace with God's pace, make peace with his pace, whether that leads us to prolonged lifetime of hiddenness, or whether there are moments where we are more visible. If we attend to that unseen foundation and truly establish our value in him, we'll be able to navigate both of those types of seasons with our eyes fixed on him and his love. Does it scare you watching so many people be given such big platforms so young? Petrifies me. Yes, absolutely. Talk a little bit about that. Yes. Well, I think that many, many beautiful souls have been crushed by the premature combination of too much um, visibility and too much authority and, frankly, too little self-control. And when you combine those things, the weight on a soul is extreme. Mm -hmm. So if they do not have the value that comes from knowing that you are meaningful. You are special because God's eyes are on you, regardless of who else right. is clapping or booing. If Amen. you don't have that yep. kind of identity and you don't have people near you who are able to speak yes. into your life, it is a setup. It is just such is. a, a is. frightening setup. And I, sadly, we see the results all around. Yes. Almost every week, we see these yes. heartbreaking results of a lot of authority, a lot of visibility, too little self-control without that identity in Christ and people near you to say, hey, wait a minute, I'm concerned. You know, something you just said really worries me. What's happening when nobody can see you? Is that area in your life under control? Do we need to get therapy? Do you need mm -hmm. to take a sabbatical? <laughs> yes. Do you need some rest? Yes. Um, who's asking you the hard questions? Yes, 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 yes. I so appreciate this because... There is so much value in production and in visibility right now that to turn it off, I mean, this past summer, I turned it off just out of desperation of just feeling apathy grow and in me. And it was just the most life-giving thing for three months of obscurity and to the point where I was really so happy in obscurity, <laughs> it was hard to come back to work. But I, I think what happened was I got my soul back and I just felt like I had the connection with God and with my people and with my own heart again. And I think it's scary for people to turn everything off and to feel like this is, you know, some people, for some people, they're so comforted because they're going, okay, that is my life right now. I am in obscurity. Uh, nobody sees me. I'm with toddlers. I'm wiping down breakfast tables and that's my life. And they're so comforted by this because it's like, okay, God sees you and this is good. And this is 
really good. And then there's other people that are going, gosh, I'm out there and I'm I'm visible and I'm building a platform, whatever that looks like for them. What are the questions that people should be asking? Because I also don't, I think I'm friends with a lot of them. They're doing beautiful things for God and, and you don't want to pour cold water on on that, but talk about just the questions that they need to be asking. Yes. You know, one of my greatest joys is uh, investing in that generation. Right now I have a, it was, it was under the radar, but a group of you know, almost 20 late teens, early twenties with crazy, the weight of visibility on their shoulder is just mm-hmm. nothing I would ever wish for them, but it's, mm-hmm. it's where following Jesus has led them right now. Right. Right. And they are taking this time. We're doing this intensive, absolutely, to focus on their soul. Every week we're meeting to ask these kind of questions. So I think one of the starter questions is, is God's attention enough? Mm. Amen. Is Amen. God's attention enough? And I think that uh, and again, the social media age help us all. But we keep looking past Jesus's shoulder for more. Yes. That's a sin of addition. We talk a lot about sins of omission, sins of commission, but there's something called a sin of addition where God is enough, but we keep adding to that enough with other things we think we need. Right. And so is his attention enough? I think when my kids were younger (laughs) and they used to put on these plays and these shows and they'd show me this and they'd show me that. And my husband and I had a front row seat in their lives and we were their only audience and we were enough. And what it felt like to be enough. And as I watched my children, I knew that God was asking me the same question. Am I enough? Is my attention enough? Because once you settle that, once you settle that, not just emotionally, but theologically, intellectually, when you settle that, that God's attention is enough, there is an immunity that you inherit to not only people's praise, but people's rejection. That's right. That's right. And and that's the kind of strength we see Jesus emerging from his hidden years with. His father's attention was enough. So people couldn't hurry him. People couldn't slow him down. People couldn't intimidate him. People couldn't manipulate him. And that's the kind of strength that grows in hidden years. It's an indestructible type of strength. So that's really the main question I ask is God's attention enough? And if not, let's be honest about it and let's dig deeper and find a way in which we can anchor ourselves in God's character, the way in which we can edit our self-concepts if needed, if we are viewing ourselves in a way that's not true or that God doesn't agree with, so that we can build that foundation to sustain them. I will say this. I hear this a lot. It feels like there's a train and you're either on it or you're off it. Everybody feels that they're off it (laughs) if they're off of it. And I think that train is a lot of things. One of the things certainly is social media, that it feels like there's just a whole universe that's happening that you're either on the inside or outside of. Do you have social media? I do. You do? (laughs) I do. Is that, like, what does that look like for you? Oh, Oh, my word. Yes. Well, I have social media and by nature, I'm an introvert. So you combine those two. I have a great love of stillness and silence. And so I had to bring alongside people who loved me, who knew my heart, and who could help me be faithful and steward those that were actually following because they wanted to grow from the teachings, and but without involving me in a way that wasn't healthy for my soul. Right. And so 
that has changed. I'm going to say almost six months, what I feel I can do. Like right now I have a, we're doing Lent. Um, there's a whole focus we have on um, called 40 days of decrease. And I'm very, very involved in that, but there's other aspects that I've offered teachings, but I am hardly touching personally because it's just too much for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think everybody needs to find that for themselves. Do you recommend that people take once they are leading in any sphere? And this can be to those of you that are are leaders in your churches. Visibility can be different forms of visibility. It's not just you know a few thousand followers on Instagram. This is also if you're leading anywhere in your life, you're visible and there's a pressure on you. And and so what do you recommend for people that find themselves in in that season? Yes. You know, my recommendation is actually theological because I think that's something that we have to resolve in our own hearts. It, God is infinite. We agree. Um, and God is omnipresent. He can be everywhere at the same time. So a God who is infinite and a God who is omnipresent is equally present in every moment. He is equally present in every moment. Our greatest shout doesn't thicken him. Our greatest doubts don't thin him. Visibility doesn't expand him. Invisibility doesn't shrink him. So theologically, if God is equally present in every moment, what that does is it levels all moments. It makes us realize that being on a stage doesn't Mm -hmm. increase God, that being hidden in a Mm, back room doesn't decrease God. So it levels all moments, and we realize that if he's equally present in every moment, then what happens is it elevates all moments. That means that every moment has equal potential to be sacred. So whether we are diapering a baby right now, whether we are paying taxes, whether we are teaching or preaching, um, whether we're doing yard work, whether we're weeping with grief, God is equally present in that moment in every moment has the same potential to be lived with him and for him, to be loved by him, to love him. So if we settle that, if we believe that, then these leaders in these moments of visibility know that God doesn't like them more when they're holding a mic. Mm -hmm. And God isn't disappointed in them when they were passed over for that opportunity. They are God's beloved and his present is equal. And when we believe that, we view quote-unquote opportunities differently. It just becomes a matter of Jesus is following you, leading me here, because you are more important, Jesus, than any platform. I think he's looking for a generation that's more consumed with whom they're following than where they're going. He's looking for a generation that's more consumed with their company, capital C God, than their scenery. And we have been so distracted and driven by our scenery that we are losing our first love. And if we lose that, then we lose all. We will lose all. Most of you have probably heard me talking about pros and how much I love it because it is the world's most personalized hair care. I can tell a huge difference in the texture and the shine and the feel of my hair and the results that I have been seeing just over the last year of using Pros just keep getting better and better. We have teamed up with Pros and they're offering 15% off your first order at pros.com slash made for this. Now that I've used Pros for a while now, I go to the store and I just can't bring myself to buy shampoo at the drugstore anymore because when you realize that there's like 
only one type of shampoo for dry or thinning hair. There's like one type of shampoo for curling. It just doesn't seem like there are enough options for how unique each of us and each of our hair is. And Pros knows that there is more to you than just your hair type. They have given over a million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz. Pros has this review and refine tool that is my favorite feature because it lets me tweak my formulas for any reason in case I change up my address or my hair color, even my diet. If you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care that you've ever had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash made for this. That's pros ecom slash made for this for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. You know, I wrestle with what I do a lot. And I even remember when I first was given the opportunity to write, I was very anxious about the visibility because I didn't want to, you know, not to quote DC talk, but, you know, gain the world and lose my soul. I can't remember <laughs> that DC talk. And I, I, I had that fear and rightfully so, as I've walked through this now for 10 years, I mean, certainly there are times that it is obedient and that has been so far what God has said. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that because I think we can also demonize, even in my own mind, I can still 10 years later really stop and question it all. Yes, absolutely. And I think that takes us back to follow, but I want to share a personal story as well. We see that follow in Jesus's life, following the father's voice, led him initially into anonymity. Then very clearly we read that the spirit led him into the desert of temptation. What? Following God can lead us into a wilderness, evidently. Then following the Father for Jesus, the Spirit led him into a season of visibility, a season of controversy, a season of accusation, a season of rejection. It led him to the cross. Which all that's from here, too. There we go, right? You know, so people say, I want to follow Jesus, but that's not what they're talking about. You know, when people say, I want to follow Jesus, they are not saying, oh, sign me up for 30 years of anonymity, followed by a wilderness temptation, controversy and rejection. Please bring me the t-shirt. That's not what they're saying. That's right. And the death, yeah. (laughs) And the death, right? They're saying, I want Jesus's power and authority to echo through my life and make a difference. But his power and his authority, they are not isolated entities that we can order online at a discount. They come with his life much of which was hidden and much of which was difficult and much was spent in some kind of desert, whether it was anonymity, temptation, or conflict. And so the real issue is following (laughs) him wherever he leads. I remember when, um, for me, it was not writing that started, it was speaking. The phone kept ringing. And again, being an introvert, I thought, well, this is clearly a distraction. And I kept resisting and I kept saying no, and it kept ringing. And a friend of mine sat down with me. She said, what is up with you? And I said, I don't know. I just have this resistance. And she loved me enough to press me and pray for me. We had this beautiful prayer time. And she said, Alicia, I think you're afraid of something. And I said, I think you're right, but I don't know what it is. And finally, we're talking, you know, again, a couple hours of prayer, I realized I'm afraid of changing. I am afraid that somehow the crazy things, and they mean it so sincerely, 
but the over-the-top things people often say to speakers and to writers and to people with visible ministries, that somehow I'm going to start believing my own press Yes, yes. and that it's going to change me. And I'm going to wake up and realize that my children had to get to know me through my books oh, yeah. or that I've somehow lost that spark of love with my husband. I'm afraid of changing. And when I was able to verbalize that, God spoke in my heart. And this is what he said. He said, my Holy Spirit will not fail to convict you of sin. Mm. And all of a sudden, I thought of my word, that's right. That's the Holy Spirit's job yes, is to yep. lead me into truth and to convict me of sin and righteousness. He's going to do his job. And so I don't have to be afraid that one day I'm going to wake up and I've had no notice about right. this. Yeah. So my job is to walk with Jesus, to follow yeah. him. My job is to keep the word of God fresh and alive, to have a relationship with that word that's living and active. My job is to listen and follow. And I don't have to be afraid of where follow leads me because the Holy Spirit will convict me of sin. The Holy Spirit will let me know way before I'm near a cliff, not just when I'm about to step off. One thing I've I've noticed in my life and really went to war with in the sabbatical season and had a counselor help me with this is there's the part of me that's making decisions and then there's the part of me that's judging all the decisions I'm making. Uh-huh. And and turning that off and just what you're saying, which is just come back to the spirit and where does he want you and do what he says do and say what he says to say. And I think this is what's so freeing, guys, in this journey. We're talking this season about just this, like where does God want us and in, in spending our lives with him and following him and doing whatever he calls us to do and not missing it because we're afraid. So I, I do think that war continues. There's never an arrival point that you just, it's all clear and you're doing what you love and there's no struggle. In fact, everyone I've talked to this season still talks about the struggle, that it just is there still. Yes. And the tension's a gift. The tension is yeah. a gift because it keeps us in Good. a place of dependence which is where we need to stay. That not knowing, that uncertainty, that's a friend of spiritual formation. It keeps us leaning into God instead of trying to stand on our own two feet and our own strength. The uncertainty, the mystery, the constant tension that I thought I knew, but now I'm not sure, keeps us in that place where we say, Jesus, just let me stay in your shadow. You lead, let me stay in your shadow. I often talk, I originally started talking with my kids about it, and then those who I mentor, that what God is longing for from us is really that loving guess. There's moments of certainty, absolutely, and there's things in Scripture that we can, without question, be certain about. But a loving guess. That's my whole life. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Right? Absolutely. A lot lot of comfort. Yeah, because even just this week, I'm praying about something new, and I'm like, I'm just still going, God, are you sure? Like, is this, am I hearing you right? Is this... Just my own mind. Is this you? Like, just tell me. So, yeah, I I really appreciate that. And I did have the thought. I think he knows I'm not doing this for any reason but him. Like, I think I think at least if I gotten it wrong, at least like <laughs> my heart and my motive is. I feel like I, I I'm guessing and feel like I'm lovingly trying my best to obey. So there it is, a loving guess. <laughs> loving guess. Thanks for giving me a great word for it. There you go. <laughs> I can do that. I can I can lovingly guess. 
at what he's what he's saying. Yes. You know, I first thought about that when my daughter was little, she was always in the kitchen, just loved making things. But of course, you know, was new in her skills. So she would make these soups and she was tiny. She's standing on a stool and she would say, okay, mama, this is what I want you to put in. So we'd get some water warmed up and she would put everything in it. I mean, she liked pickles because they were green and she would put little cupcake sprinkles and some cheese because it was yellow. I mean, and all these colorful things. That well, you know, she, she would bring it to me and she'd say, and I would drink it, you know, I would taste it. And I would be like, babe, this is something special. Cause I never wanted to lie, you know, to my kids. So right. I'm like, wow, it's this special. is special. But I wouldn't have said something like, you know, Hey, hold off on that until you go to culinary school. Yeah, She was making a loving guess about yeah. what she thought would please me. And mm. I was pleased she succeeded. Oh. <laughs> and so you know, we need to offer our pickly, cheesy cupcake sprinkles to God. And when we make it in love, because we think, I think this might be what pleases you. Well, we succeed. He's pleased. <laughs> That's good. Oh, that makes me cry. I bet a lot of y'all are crying out there too. <laughs> so good. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. This was gold. This was such a gift. I just want you to to end praying for all of us out here that are lovingly guessing our way to Jesus, following him. <laughs> Happy to. Savior, you see and are near every soul who is listening in this moment. You love them. You know them. You know their hearts better than they do even. You know the longings that they've wondered about. You know the dreams they feel like they've buried. You know the fears that are driving them. You know. And you love. I pray that in this moment you would remind us all of your vast love. That you would help us hear by faith, that we are your beloved, that you never wanted to use us. You've always wanted to love us. So may we rest, whether we're visible or invisible, whether we're in a season of anonymity or a season of influence, may we rest in our value as mm. your beloved. And may that be the secure foundation, the strong foundation upon which everything is built. We are your beloved. Keep us in your shadow. Help follow be more important than where we're going. May your company be more precious to us than any scenery ever could be. In your name and for your glory I ask, amen. entire team loves Dr. Alicia Britt Scholey. She has a book called Anonymous and a bunch of other amazing books that you can find on Amazon, everywhere books are sold. She also has some leadership retreats and other things that we'll make sure to link in the show notes. Did you know that Jenny wrote a set of children's books? The Story of God five book set tells God's story from creation to heaven and it's written in a way that is engaging for little minds. Now through April 6th, you can save over 25% on the Story of God box set at theolaby.com. That's theolaby, T-H-E-O-L-A-B-Y.com. You can also find it on Amazon. What a great way to celebrate Easter by walking through the entire Story of God with the kids in your life today. Thanks again for listening today, you guys. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast.